The latest series on In the Field with Gould's Water Technology called Small Business Toolbox provides groundwater pros like you with info and resources to help you run your business more effectively. This episode was recorded with Jeff Williams of Vermont-based Spafford & Sons Water Wells in Wisconsin Dells while he was touring the country giving presentations to various NGWA chapters on financial literacy. We dove into topics ranging from an overview of asset management to succession planning. Enjoy the show. The next topic is on exit strategies, which I know is a sensitive topic and one that kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, another topic we'll maybe be exploring in a future podcast on succession planning. But I'm here with my coworker Susan O'Grady and Jeff Williams, Vice President of Spafford and Sons, and we're going to discuss some types of exit strategies that are out there and then how to know if or when it's time to move on from your business. Um, and I know, Jeff, you'll, you'll help us navigate this topic uh, with our listeners in a really instructive way. So let's just start by first recognizing how emotional and challenging the decision of making a change of this magnitude is. I, I think that the bulk of, of the people in this industry have really deep, um, just deep ties with their business, have been in business a really long time. Often it's a family business. And so there's just a lot of considerations. Um, there's history, there's legacy, um, like I said, family members, um, you know, just Help us kind of get an understanding of of, of what it ta- like even what you'd be thinking about as you start to look at the next generation of, of folks coming into this business. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is there's certainly comfort in what you know, and exit strategies and exit planning and succession planning um, are very overwhelming topics when you look at the complexities involved around those topics. Unless you have a, a sec- another generation that is just stepping up and taking over, then it, it, the other pieces of it make it really, really difficult. I mean, you, know, you have different personalities at play in these family businesses. There's a tremendous amount of heritage and pride in these people out here in, in what they do, what we do. I say they, I part of they, I guess. You know, that, that we go out, and we construct a water supply for someone and we take pride in what we do and that same thing goes to the equipment and it also is probably a sticking point with thinking about letting go letting go of the reins and letting go of the quality of the product so that can be that can be a hitch in your step so to speak Um, that as we look at these transition strategies uh, there, there are fewer options today. I think I don't know how many families have got you know the next generation coming up in the drilling business. I know my children decided they were going to go do something else because dad got way too dirty and worked too many hours and was never around. So they decided to go and do something else. Um, we have to create an environment that is conducive to growth and. and professional growth and personal growth within our industry if we want to make it appealing to the next generation, our employees. I mean, you can have an ESOP, you can have uh, an employee buyout program uh, of, of other sorts. Um, you know, you can take it to auction, you can find a buyer for it. 
Uh, we better have a pretty well-run company these days, I think, to find a buyer for a water well contracting business because that is not what I see as the norm. Uh, I see as the norm uh, retirement and selling off the assets when there's not family to take it over. Okay. So when is it the right time and when is it time to start thinking about transitioning? I don't know if you can start planning too soon because this is a, these are big businesses with a lot of assets and a lot of moving parts. And I think in identifying a potential buyer or a potential exit strategy early on will allow you to accomplish that strategy. And, you know, if I look at it from my point of view as, as, as the least exciting strategy that I can employ would be to retire and sell off the assets you know, piece at a time or at an auction or something like that. Because let's face it, part of our retirement or maybe even the bulk of our retirement is set up in these assets over here. Mm-hmm. This is it. We, and we can't, they, you can't take that to Publix and buy groceries. You've got to turn that to cash somewhere, yeah. right? Somewhere, somehow. I believe, um, I think your father owned the company or maybe still still does. does. Still um, does. I'm still, I'm number two. He's still the big boss. So he, has he spoken with you ever about an exit strategy or have you just kind of migrated to taking over the company, which I think is very common in a lot of these small family businesses as well? We've talked about it on, on a number of occasions. We have a quasi plan in place, so to speak. You know, my brother works with with my father down on the in the Sudbury division, and and we have talked about how we're going to go forward when he decides that it's that he's done. Um, and uh, he's 77 years old and still stands out on the platform of a drilling rig. So he is absolutely the description of somebody that either can or won't let go. Well, the other is that he's the toughest bird I've ever been around in my life. But he, he just always worked hard, and he instilled that into us. And together, I mean, we're going to go forward. Like I said, I don't have any children that, that you know, are really interested in taking over the family business. So I've got something else that I've got to look at down the road. Uh, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, through my employees that we can, we can do something to keep the legacy going forward. And I, I'm probably not alone with that legacy piece, you know, that, that we're proud of what we've done. We've been in business since 1946, and you kind of hate to see that go away. But that's not a solid financial decision. That's an emotional decision. So we really have to boil it down to what's, what is a solid financial exit strategy not based on emotion. Yeah, and that's tough. That's extremely yeah. difficult. Your father, though, has at least let you take over some of the finances of the company, though, which it maybe isn't common in other small businesses. So I'm guessing that's correct, just based on how we're talking to you today yeah. about finances. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna hand a business over to another generation, don't go right up to the door and say, okay, I'm done, and not have trained the next generation to be able to run the business appropriately. And I'm not convinced that hasn't happened a number of times. <laughs> you have to give that next generation the power to make good decisions. You have to give them the enough latitude to be able to make some poor decisions, or they're never going to learn what a good decision is. And you have to let them grow along with you so that then it's, a, it, it's much more of a seamless transition. 
because if you're not fairly strong in both the aptitude for construction of water supplies, no matter what part of it you're in, or, or whether you own a comprehensive company that does it all, in the financial piece, I think you got to have both of them, especially in today's day and age. You have to be strong all the way around because we do not want to go the way that the mom and pop stores are going and the mom and pop farming operations are going. They're all being bought up by big corporations and, and just being put out of business. A big store moves in. Um, and if we don't, if we don't continue to embrace the next generation and to help them get to where they need to go, then the family water well contracting business is certainly in peril at some point in time. Mm -hmm. So how, how would you say is a good way to go about choosing an exit strategy? I mean, obviously we talked about if you have family members, that's you know a typical way of going is passing that down to family members who, who wanna be that, that next generation. But in the cases where that's not an op an option you know how do you know like what what's the best course of action well if you're running a good business the better business you run the more options you'll have wherever whatever that is and, and you may somebody you may find a buyer for it you may be able to sell it to somebody that is in the contracting business maybe they want to expand maybe one of your competitors wants to come and buy you uh, and if you're running a good business you got solid clientele you've got good margins both in your contribution margin and your asset replacement is 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 solid um, you know you talk about investable businesses if you wanted to sell let's say you wanted to sell to a, a venture capital group they say hey we want to be in the well drilling business if you're not returning them at least 10% on their dollar, you're never going to do it. And in the terms of, of investments of cash, they want to see a return on an investment. And if you're not returning that investment, you're not a viable option for someone that wants to come in and take you over to make money. Because they're not going to probably take you over to go out and be proud of what they're doing out in the field. They're probably never going to touch the controls. So it's a whole different venue. It's a whole different way of looking at it. So the better business you run, the more options you have. Whether you have nice equipment that somebody else wants to buy, piecemeal, or whether somebody wants to come in and take over your company, or whether you have some employees. You, know, you, can, you certainly can groom employees to be able to take it over and help them to manage it. you got to do the same thing with them that you do with your family. You have to embrace them, and you have to train them, and you have to give them the latitude to make decisions. Sure. And, and there's got to be, like, the right time for this, right? I mean, some of these guys, like you're saying, are working forever <laughs> before they, you know, finally pass that business on or make that next move. Is there a right time? I mean, the, you know what I'm saying? The, I'm trying to get to, Just, like, it, how do you know when to, you know, pull the plug? Very personal decision. It's a very personal decision. Um, there, there are a number of gentlemen and ladies that I have met here over my 15 years almost National Groundwater Association and, and being at shows and talking to other people in the industry um, that just continue to run their companies and, and that's what they enjoy, that's what they want to do that's who they are and and then there are those that'll that you know you get to retirement age and I can draw Social Security and I got my Medicare Medicaid and I suppose I've had enough and I 
think maybe I'll retire and enjoy my grandchildren, so to speak. Maybe I've got something else I want to do. You know, maybe there's another twilight career I want to take on. Maybe there's something I've always wanted to do. So it's just such a personal decision okay. that just whenever you make that decision, just make sure you make it far enough ahead mm -hmm. so that you can execute that plan. So it's a strategy. It's not all of a sudden I'm going to do something different. Make it a strategy. Yeah, that's, that's insightful because I thought maybe there was like this sweet spot of, I don't want to say age, but just time time and the maturation of the company where it's like, okay, this is about when you should start to like, this is the best time to do this for whatever reason. But it, it does seem like it's really on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, not unless somebody walks up to the front door with a checkbook and starts <laughs> writing a bunch of zeros on it and they can have it tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> the price is right. Everything's for sale, right? <laughs> but so, you know, again, that's that personal decision um, of, of, you know, timing is timing based on based on your personal decisions. And now you want to live out the rest of your life. And you also know that if you pull the trigger on a new drilling rig, that it's going to be at least five years <laughs> before you're going to do anything, right? Sure. you got a payment in front of you for a while. Is there anything that maybe isn't something that would readily come to mind as part of, you know, building an exit strategy that really we should be thinking about? Well, you got to look at what you're going to require for the rest of your life, right? You're building an exit strategy for your retirement so that you can move on to another phase in your life. Um, those are, you know, that's one of the biggest pieces of it. You know, what, what do I need? What, what have I got to do? What do I need to get through the rest of my life? What do I want to do with the rest of my life? Um, that, that's that quite possibly one of the biggest pieces that I can see. Great. Well, I think that was, you know, a really uh, well-rounded, just well-rounded insights into to how to manage this really delicate thing. I mean, like you said, it's very different, but I think your experience especially has been helpful and instructive for our audience. The latest Bell & Gossip podcast series on Solving Water features manufacturers, reps, and xylem experts discussing industry trends at the 2020 AHR Expo. Get all 10 episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. We could just kind of answer a couple questions about succession planning which is you, you kind of have two sides of the coin here right because succession planning isn't just for for folks that are passing it down to family so you your father's still running the business and so there's there's a succession plan that he he and um, probably you've talked through um, and then you would have eventually to build a succession plan for that next generation, which isn't sounding like it's going to be family members. So maybe just give us an overview or some some of your thoughts on that process and how it's been taking place with you in your business. We've actually had uh, a number of meetings with a succession planner. <clears throat> um, I have been through the process of estate planning. So I have a comprehensive estate plan in place that uh, disperses all of my assets, uh, all of our assets, my wife and mine. Uh, you know, we have a really comprehensive estate plan. So in that process, we identified succession planning as being a piece that was missing. 
So we have been working on succession planning and what that looks like and the tax implications. And you start talking with family about dividing up assets in a business, going from a single owner, going to two, and things begin to get touchy really, really quick. Right, So you have to leave as much emotion out of it as you can, which is completely impossible. (laughs) But you have to have those hard discussions and you have to sit at the table and you have to look each other in the eye and you have to say, this is how I think it has to be. And the other side of the table says, "Uh, no, I think this is how it has to be. And at some point in time, you got to come to Middle Earth, right? You got to come to common ground. And and those can be really challenging discussions, but if you don't have those discussions now and you get to the other side, that discussion isn't going to be any easier. Sure. It's going to be the very easiest when you can plan it, when you have everybody has input into it and you can make it happen there. I've heard a lot of horror stories about succession planning that didn't get done until it was too late. And then there's a fight over the assets. And then everybody's emotional after somebody goes and passes away and that kind of stuff. It just turns it into a mess. Uh, And at that point, you could lose a whole show. You get to fighting over the assets so bad, you lose a whole show. There's a number of stories out there like that. The better stories are the people who are prepared. It's no different than putting your finances together and understanding where you are so you know where you're going. Succession planning is just that, understanding where you are, who you are, and where this thing is going. Uh, With employees, I think it's probably the same thing. I haven't gone that far yet, but I anticipate that it would be, you know, an agreement uh, between the very much the same thing as a succession plan. Uh, to make sure that the business thrives and survives. You may have to hold on to the controls. You're going to have to help them. No different than your family. You're going to have to help them. And you're going to have to, everybody's going to have to treat everyone like family if you're going to make it happen. Sure. I've seen some cases where, you know, maybe you plan it out that you will be a consultant or at least help out for a few years to get um, whoever might be taking it over make sure that they have full reign and understand kind of the nuances that you have dealt with the entire business, I guess. So I don't know if you've seen that or maybe part of your plan. And obviously your dad's still involved in the business. So um, that is involved in the business and day to day. And he certainly is involved in all the big decisions, but he relies on me pretty heavily to really watch the financials of the company and make sure the bills are paid and and to update pricing. And, you know, we talk about our pricing structure when we're out there in the field and, and you know, what the, the competition's doing, what the market will stand, you know, what it'll bear. And... Uh, but I, I've had a, you know, a lot of the control over the financial piece. Probably the more successful stories are just that, Susan, with you know, the owner of the company or you know, the, the father or the owner, if it's employees, whatever it is, stays involved and, and really watches that transition. Because what, probably one of the biggest faults is, well, hey, I got a whole bunch of money in a checkbook, let's go buy this. Let's go buy a boat, or we'll go buy a four-wheeler, or we'll go buy we'll go buy even a piece of equipment that is never going to pay for itself, but it's just something I always wanted. Those are the killers when you're trying to pay this up, because the reason I'm turning this over is to turn these assets into cash. So then that puts a debt load 
on the new owners, whether they're family or not, they have a debt load and it can be fairly sizable. So the longer period of time the transition is, probably the more successful it will be. And then at some point in time, I've heard numbers of maybe 30% ownership. So if the employees had 30% of the ownership of the company, the bank would then go ahead and loan the money on the other 70%. And then you you could go right off into the sunset or boat off into the sunset or (laughs) ski off into the sunset, whatever you wanted to do. You gotta be careful skiing when you're retired though because your bones (laughs) break easier. Um, But you know, I think that the the transitions, the thoughtful process of transition, but to have that institutional knowledge that are looking back all the time and helping to guide you through some of these these hard financial decisions is very advantageous. You mentioned a succession planner earlier and that that you guys use one in your business. Um, How critical is it to have a succession planner? Is it easy to just look look this up and you know hire one or is it not not essential you know how fist fights start when you don't have a succession planner <laughs> they keep everybody's emotions under control it's really good to have that professional third party insight i that's very very helpful i we couldn't even start it without it and did you get a recommendation from your accountant or your banker or did you just like yeah, actually, the lady that handles all my insurance, she has a friend that works in elder care, elder law, succession planning, estate oh, wow. planning, okay. and all that. And uh, she did a really nice job with our estate. So then we just continued on because she knew us. By that point, we had developed a relationship, and I trusted her, and she knew us. So then we just sort of moved it into the succession planning arena. What about some key elements of a succession plan? Are there a few things that come to mind or rise to the top that you've gone over in your process so far that, you know, people can learn to expect? It doesn't happen until the current owner decides what they need out of the business. Whether it is, if you pay me X a month, if I had a lump sum of X, right of of whatever that monetary value is what do they what do they want or need out of the business and then you can look at the strategy to be able to get there and that depending on how many players there are whether there's one or two or three or four in the family how whatever that matrix is then who does what to get that done you know who's responsible for this are we going to all be partners or are we going to divide it up and go our own way who's taking what for assets what's our liability back to the current owner so that's the first part is the existing owner has to get in their mind and they have to convey what they want to get out of it have they made enough money through their life so that they're fine their house is paid for they say nah i'm good i've got enough investments you guys just go ahead and go with it or you know do i need 50 percent of the value or do i need 100 percent of the value so i mean those are the very that's that has to happen before anything else can happen okay that decision has to be made it's good to know I mean, I'm, I I think that this, like I said before, just been a really interesting, fascinating conversation. Um, we've covered a lot of topics today. I think, like I mentioned before, this could be overwhelming a little bit. And I think this has been really helpful sort of setting the table for some to deep dive into more advanced understanding of some of these, these uh, finance topics, some of which you'll be speaking about on your 
worldwide tour here. Um, <laughs> but but also, you know, if there's a, an interest there for any of our listeners, I know you mentioned you attended college courses for to get to some of this knowledge, but where, I mean, just off the cuff, do you know of anything that people could just start picking up and reading or looking into um, just to get some more background here? I was I was very fortunate that that I have a friend that that manages uh, uh, one of the colleges close to me, a community college, and uh, he he knows me and he said Jeff I've got a I've got a, a class here I think would really benefit you if you're looking to be stronger financially so I took financial accounting computerized accounting and payroll accounting in one semester that was eight hours a week two four hours twice a twice a night for or twice a two nights a week for 12 weeks um, that was ooh, that was a lot uh, you're working 60 70 hours a week plus you're throwing another eight hours of class time on and then this last year was financial accounting uh, as uh, managerial accounting and managerial really is what gave me the the insight to be able to talk intelligently here so if I'm an expert now I certainly wasn't I can tell you so use that term a little loosely but anywhere you can go your your financial institutions like a banker you can go your accountant can can help you organize the numbers in your most everybody's gone to computer programs very very few people are using ledgers anymore so most of them are computerized programs to be able to break your to be able to break your structure down your your expense structure down in your company so that you can read it and be able to start identifying where you have uh, uh, shortfalls in revenue and expenses that are out of control, right? So you can cover all that. But if you can get into a community college or another institution and take some courses on financial accounting, managerial accounting, and my next step is cost accounting. I plan on taking that next fall. I don't plan on letting go of this. I think it, that it is so important that as our economy continues to progress, we've enjoyed a long time here, right, of pretty good trucking. We've, everybody's enjoyed a pretty robust economy here for a lot of years, and that's not always gonna be the case. We saw that about a decade ago, where the, 12 years ago, when the bottom fell out of it. And I don't think any of us were really ready for that. I wasn't, I'm, and I'm sure there are people that could see it, but boy, it went down a long ways for a long time. So we gotta be ready for that. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I know you spent a lot of time with us, shared some really wonderful knowledge. Um, wish you the best on this tour you're doing with um, the Waterwell Association. Thanks, Susan, for being here today as well. And have a safe rest of your day. The Solving Water Podcast is produced and distributed by Xylem, a global water technology company of more than 16,000 employees committed to solving critical water and infrastructure challenges worldwide. Stream, download, and subscribe 